The Art of Engineering. Engineers talking about their process, principles, and personal stories. Presented by Custom Powder Systems, the containment company. On today's show. I think the number one advice I have for them is like, dream big, sky's the limit, right? We can do anything, like just put your mind and heart to it. We can achieve anything. If I can do it, if my team can do it, you can do it. Now from the Custom Powder Systems Headquarters, your host, Denise McIntosh. Well, good afternoon. Um, Coming to you from Springfield, Missouri, this is another podcast of of the Art of Engineering from Custom Powder Systems. I'm Denise McIntosh, and today I'm excited to have Dr. Namrata Karki Candle, a PhD in food science and the product development manager at Orthomolecular Products in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Welcome, Namrata. Thank you so much. It is such a pleasure to be with you here this afternoon. Well, we got connected because we have built some equipment for the facility where you are located, Namrata. And I'd like for you to just share your story of how you found orthomolecular. And let's start back at your childhood and food science and 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 how you came to be here. Sure, that that's that's a long story. I would say, but uh, we found each other actually at IFT, which is the home organization I belong to. It's Institute of Food Technologists, and the annual meeting usually rotates between Chicago, Las Vegas, and New Orleans. So it was in Chicago in the year 2016, and I found ortho representatives in the expo floor and yeah like they were recruiting for this position for machine engineer and I was I had just graduated from school with my PhD and yeah we found each other there. What got you to food science in the beginning? I'm originally from Nepal and my whole mission to come to the U.S. was for higher education for my love of research and to pursue higher education, that's how I began my journey here in the U.S. So in terms of applying to different universities and different programs, um, food science at Louisiana State University caught my attention. I applied because um, Dr. Jack Loso, his research was of interest to me. He was working with various nutraceuticals that's good for your health, right? Nutraceuticals <laughs> against various um, diseases, chronic diseases. So that really was very interesting. I applied and I was selected for grad school under his mentorship. And that's how I started my journey in the U.S. and did my master's and PhD in food science with him at LSU. So tell us what orthomolecular does. So we are a company with a vision of transforming the practice of medicine. We are a dietary supplement industry who are very proud to say makes quality, efficacious dietary supplement products. So that's what we do. And we only sell our products to uh, functional medicine, like doctors, like practitioners. 
So you and I earlier in the week talked about that we need to trade field trips for yes. your group to be able to come here to see how we build the equipment uh, for your facility. And I would love to go there to see how then the products are made at your facility. Yep, it will be like we will. We are waiting for that day. My team is very excited. So I not only manage products, but I also get to manage a team of scientists and engineers here at Orthomolecular Products. Most of them are female, and uh, so they are like bright, talented ladies. I recently hired a gentleman too. So, well, we are a mixed uh, team. And yeah, like uh, we talked about our trip to your company so that they can see where the equipments are built. And they are the one who designs scale-ups or from product ideation to commercial ideation, right? Like we work with lab and samples to scaling up to like big uh, thousands kilo of samples. So they do the work on engineering side. And yes, it will be a great opportunity for them to visit your plant. So tell me a little more about the process on your side from, from the scientists okay. who like your, when your clients come to you, then what is the, the process to go from their idea to an actual product? Definitely there are various phases of product development, right? And it all begins with an idea, just an idea. And Ideation, like ideation happens as a beginning phase of product development. And as it passes through ideation, the product enters the feasibility or development phase where like my team actively works on the development side. And it's a cross collaboration between various departments here, like making sure it's like a, a tested well, good quality. So a lot of collaboration between quality departments, procurement, sourcing, purchasing. So all of the departments come together to make sure that idea is being transformed into a real product. So especially the formulas and scientists, they work with the material itself to see like how we can make sure it tablets well, our capsules, our flavors are good, consumer acceptance is there. So they work in the development phase in that regard and also on scaling because when you work with small scale R&D samples, it's only like bench scale samples. But now we need to make sure that product goes to a bigger blender so that there is like uh, upscaling, like, um, pro like products are made in a higher volume. So they take, they take the responsibility of analyzing that part as well. So that's done. And then like once testing meets uh, specifications, then product is like analyzed well by again regulatory quality so that we meet all the specifications and criteria and it's finally released to the consumer or your customers. So I do understand in some of my prior interviews that sometimes the real trick is to take that small bench um, size product and, and it doesn't always relate on a bigger size, even from the chemistry. Right. And yep, and that's where you put your science and engineering concept behind to make sure the materials are behaving the way you 
want them to behave. So that's where the lot of analysis happens. And there's a team who is um, analyzing that part. And those are the formalists and scientists. Well, glad to hear that you're encouraging young women scientists to join you there. Thank you. Like we, yep, we all, we have like two female formalists and scientists and men who started actually this week. Oh, very so, good. Very good. Yeah. So, Namrata, throughout your career, who have been your influencers or your mentors or your guides that that have helped you along the way? The list is long, Denise. <laughs> it's long. I have had mentors in every phase of my life, right? But right now, when I think of a mentor in terms of career, I'd like to mention Indra Nui, the former CEO of PepsiCo. Ah. Her so much. And uh, yeah, like she came to the U.S. in the year 1980. And we are from completely different generation. But still, there are a lot of similarities. And, you know, when you have models like her, you can relate to her journey, her experiences. And yes, I'd like to mention her as one of my, I mean, like, it's not that I've met her in person, but I follow her along through her speeches, her experiences. I read about her, her LinkedIn. I literally stalk her on LinkedIn. So I would like to mention in that way. She was, you know, when she was um, appointed to that position, I was like, yay, here's a huge company. And here's a woman, um, yes, from not the U.S., but this is a global company. And what a, what a great example. Yep, right. And I think, like, if she can do it, I can do it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so definitely her. And there are a lot of mentors, like, even in my company right now, like, like people who you work for are, like, you know, you're, like you find mentors in every phases of your life and like they help you, they help you see the bigger picture. And the list is so long that I don't want to take names here, but <laughs> thank you to all those mentors. If you listen to this podcast, you know who you are. Well, you know, as someone who has, has not left the country to explore, a, a, you know, another, another country for education or another country for a career, can you tell me how how that process or what what guided you to to come here? Um, passion. Okay. I was twenty two. You know, like you could do anything. You, I can still do anything. <laughs> but <laughs> passion, that energy, that love for research, and and that love for higher education, and like you was is still the top, like, for providing higher education. So out of all the countries, U.S. is, like, the topmost where you want to go and learn more from the experts. And, and yeah, like, uh, that, was, that was the main reason, like, that drove me here. And courage, like, you believe in your dreams, and it makes, it happens. So did you have other uh, family members or um, friends that had made that journey? 
Uh, I, at that point, I had a cousin in California, like, okay. came from Nepal. I would say in the family for coming for grad school experiences, like I was the first one to come to the U.S. for grad school. So, yeah, the first one, the eldest out of all the children. I have two siblings, like two brothers and a baby sister. So, yeah, like the first one to come to the U.S. for higher education. You were the guide. You were you were the, the one going out in front. Congratulations. I've made it so far. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I also think from our earlier conversation that you um, have a young family. So how has that experience been in juggling all these all these things? The the work, the family, the friends, the COVID. <laughs> so yes, I have a very young family. I have a daughter who is 30 months old so it wouldn't have been possible without a supportive husband he gets all the credit so like how do I juggle work and life I think my formula is disengagement it has worked for me meaning when I'm at work I'm at work like that hours when I'm at work, I try to stay disengaged, just focus on work, get what we need to accomplish, like get things done. And when you go home, I'm only a wife and a mom. So I try to keep that work-life balance by making sure there is disengagement between work and life. And that has helped me. And it wouldn't have been possible if I hadn't had a supportive husband. That's interesting. That's, that's harder to do than uh, Tim and I could attest to that simply because we, we sort of live and work (laughs) where we are. But I, yes, I admire your approach to that because it's difficult to do, particularly if you're, when you're passionate about what you do and you obviously are. And yes, and choosing those mates that help support us in those endeavors is, it's it's important. Yep. And especially not having like immediate families around, like, you know, so like having him as a core support, like it's been, I'm very grateful. So you've mentioned the mentors you've had in your life. And are you now being a mentor to some of the young scientists who are joining the organization? As much as I can. Yes, they are my priorities right now. And um, I think the number one advice I have for them is like, dream big, sky's the limit, right? We can do anything. Like, just put your mind and heart to it. We can achieve anything. And like, especially like, I think like more, I have a key message to young scientists outside ortho is like, if I can do it, if my team can do it, you can do it. Like, just get the fear of like, you know, don't have that fear in you, like just believe in you. And uh, I think other thing like I have really thought of is like imposter syndrome in women. Learn more about that. Read about that. Because I have found women like 
those terms were new to them. Mm -hmm. Read about imposter syndrome and how you can find ways to cope with that. Because yes, I think it's still high in women. And one part I make sure like to in my team is like, try that, like try to learn about that and find ways like to deal with it. And as a manager myself, like I think your company, your your like a manager can play a big role in helping women overcome that. And I'm trying my best. So yes. like a message to younger women and younger professional, like learn about those terms. Those are real. See if you are experiencing those and find ways, like talk to your mentors, find mentors and it'll be easier. Yes. And, 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 I, and there was like one statement from Brittany, like one of my team members, like who works um, in the manufacturing facility and her key message is, and her name is Brittany Liss, a great scientist. And as women in this industry, we bring a different side to things. We have the technical knowledge, great multitasking skills. But we also have a lot of strength in relating to people, which helps us excel in the, in the industry. Smart women really can change the world, one department at a time. Oh, Namrata, that was absolutely perfect. And it's encouraging to me, Namrata, to hear those conversations from the younger women who are who are coming up in careers because those things were just simply not available when I started. So, so even having the conversations and discussing, you know, how it makes you feel when you feel like an imposter or that we, that we, we truly do need the encouragement from each other regardless of whether we're male or female, the support system we offer each other is, it's invaluable. It's invaluable about how we feel about ourselves on a day-to-day basis. And especially the gender gap too, right? Like gender. Yes, absolutely. Gender gap in engineering sector, that's a huge gap. We understand that. How do we... What are the ways we can do better about it? So, like, I would like to refer one paper, if time allows. Like, there is a paper that was published in 2017 by um, Allison Master from University of Washington. The title is Building Breezes Between Psychological Science and Education, Cultural Stereotypes, STEM, and Equity. So this is a problem like around the world, this like inequity and gender gap and workforce and such, such a nicely written paper about how to spark a change and how to minimize that gap. So definitely like read that paper if you like have time because like such a valuable information that was published and good resource. And Very good. So you you've come from a part of the world, Namrata, that is is one of the places that's still on my bucket list to get to. 
which is Nepal. We, we were fortunate to build some equipment for um, a Dr. Reddy's facility in India, but mm-hmm. I didn't get to go there. So what would I see if I went to Nepal? Uh, friendly faces, good food, welcoming heart. <laughs> so like, yeah, like uh, and Nepal is known for the land of Mount Everest, right? Land of yes. and all that. And it's a beautiful country. It's very um, untouched, like very natural. And, uh, and yeah, lots of like warm heart that will welcome you. So anytime you decide to go Nepal, let me know. We will have family to welcome you there. Oh, I absolutely will do that. Okay. <laughs> I have an I have a next question. If you I'd, I'd like to hear about your parents. Okay. My parents are still in Nepal. I'm I'm the first daughter and um I think what I'm today is because of them. They're investing their investment on us. I think it was all about education. Education was the first important thing in the family, making sure like we got good education from good universities. Their life savings were invested on us in our education. And like my parents, both my mom and dad, and special thanks to my mom, especially like I think her hunger for education like see like that made her like you know like she made sure that her kids were educated well and then like here we are like my one of my brother is a doctor other one is like another one is an engineer and I'm here with a doctoral degree in food science so yeah their investment investment has paid out and I think that was the number one priority for the family their life savings was invested on our education. And thank you, mom and dad. Well, what an inspiration. And thank you for sharing that story. Yep. Parents can make, like, you know, when we talk about exposure in young, like early childhood, parents, teachers, they're the first people we can think of, like, who can make impact on a girl's, on a child's education. So big responsibility there. Yes. So is there anything else that you would like to share about ortho molecular, about the job you do there, and and about what the plans are for ortho in the in the new year? Like I would like to say how proud I am to work for ortho. And our company, like our manufacturing facilities, got expanded like this year. So we're a growing company. We are recruiting so much. So job positions, please take out if you are listening to this podcast. It's a great team to work for. And one thing I noticed, like uh, you are really good at identifying talent, recognizing right qualified person and putting them in the right position. They are really good at it. And it does make a very big impact, right, in operations and making, like, yep. And, yeah, this company is so good at that. And also, I like to proudly mention that there are so many women in this organization in the leadership roles. 
and they have been like great role models for for employees like me and i think that's one of the greatest strength of arthur too so like definitely we are expanding there are a lot of jobs that's opening so please check out even like in my team we are recruiting right now for a vendor sourcing specialist so check those open positions and if any of that interests you please reach out well namrata this has been delightful and and you are quite a good advertisement for that company and for other young scientists looking for opportunities within manufacturing. And that's really been my intent with these is to, is to help close that wage gap and to help young people uh, explore the opportunities that are available. And thank you for helping me do that. Totally. And I think like, well, again, like, thank you so much from bottom of my heart for taking time to hear stories from us, from people like us. And one thing, like, I was like, you know, work busy. It never ends. Like day-to-day life, work life, that happens. But, you know, with this, I think for me, I know it's being recorded too, but like, uh, with me, I think it's a key turning point like, you know, you have like turning events in life, turning. And I think this is one of the moment. It's my first podcast ever. But it made me sit. It made me sit down and think about the bigger picture, right? Why am I doing what I'm doing today? So is it about like work, making paychecks, making? It's not only about that. It's like we can do more. And just joining that, like, yeah, learning and educating about the issues out there. And like that whole gender gap differences, it's just a worldwide issue, right? And taking time and reflecting on that and how we can contribute one little thing at a time. And I'm full for you, like for that, like that was the biggest part of this podcast for me, personal experience. Thank you so much for being with us today, Namrata. Namaste. Namaste. The Art of Engineering. Engineers talking about their process, principles, and personal stories. Presented by Custom Powder Systems, the containment company. On the next episode. It is completely okay to not be absolutely set on what you want to do. From my experience, no one's ever said that, no, you absolutely can't do that. You know, most of the time people are going to listen to you if you say that you're interested in something. That's next time on The Art of Engineering. Presented by Custom Powder Systems, the containment company custom-powder.com.